0: I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution.
1: If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality.
0: Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson here. I have a question for you, marrying people. Uh, are, are, how, how are you two doing? Are you, are you two, two people living in the same house, cohabitating together, doing life together, you love each other, or are you one? Well, this is one of the great mysteries of Scripture, the sacrament of marriage, uh, is this idea of becoming one. And uh, if, you're, if you're not married, maybe you want to be married, uh, there's uh, some, some good things that you can know so that when that day arrives, you are best prepared. Or if you're in the middle of it, maybe marriage is great. Mine is wonderful, actually. Uh, but there's always ways we can strengthen that. We can become one, which personally I don't think you can do on your own. So I'm going tip my hand a little bit. But we're going to talk today about building a stronger marriage. And Bob Lepine is the author of a book called Just That. Uh, he is a long-time uh, co-host of Family Life Today Radio. You may recognize him, or at least his voice. Uh, now he's a teaching pastor at Redeemer Community Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm so excited to have him. So today is a day to get some uh, things in your head that will strengthen your marriage, make it a happier relationship. So this is good. Bob, great to have you on Life Today Live. Hey, Randy, great to be with you. Thank you. So of all the, all the things you could write about, why did you pick
1: this one? Well, 28 years co-hosting Family Life Today, I spent every day sitting down having conversations about marriage and family with some of the best minds in America on that subject, and it felt like I got a, a master's degree at least, maybe a PhD in marriage and family over the years, and as a pastor for the last 15 years, if there's an area where our faith gets tested and challenged most. <laughs> I think it's in in the relationship of marriage. It's the person we're with most, we're closest to this person, it's where our real selves begin to emerge. And I've just learned as a pastor, this is something that we need to be proactively helping couples with, because most couples don't recognize that the natural drift in a relationship, you don't drift together, you drift apart. Mm-hmm. And so if if we're going to come together, we have to be intentional and purposeful about that. Otherwise, if we just leave it alone, we're not paying attention. We're not weeding the garden. We're just going to drift apart and find ourselves in isolation.
0: Yeah, you know, I find that uh, my my lack of workout, uh, my my drifting is not towards health. (laughs) I have to work at that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like I have to set some time aside. Uh, I have to be intentional about it. I have to be mindful about what I put in my body. And I think relationships are basically the same thing I, I, can in this book and in your experience can you help me fix my wife <laughs> hey, i tell couples all the time
1: if if you came to me hoping i would fix your spouse i can't do that you can't do that uh, only god can do that and so i say when whenever i'm talking whether it's in a uh, live presentation or one on one with a, a couple i'm not even talking to your spouse I don't have anything to say to your spouse. The only person I'm talking to is you because you're the only person who, who we can work on together. So yeah, we, we have to give up the, the, the mythology that we can fix anybody. The only person we can fix is ourselves. And to do that, we need God to be at work in our lives, the Holy spirit to be doing the work of transforming and changing us more into the image of Christ.
0: I can imagine that that doesn't make some people happy. Because if we're honest – you know what I mean. If we're honest, usually we perceive the problem in the marriage to be the other person, and that may be true. Um, is is that how do – how is that encouraging if I can only work on myself and can't do anything about someone who may be, you know, not cooperating and takes two to tango, right? Or in worst-case yeah. scenario, you know, abusive or abandoning. How does working on myself – with the marriage?
1: Well, I, I think there are two things there. First of all, I want to acknowledge that in in some marriages, you, you would never say it's it's 100%, that the blame is 100% in one direction, because we all bring our own stuff into the marriage. Mm-hmm. We've all got our own tendencies, habits, idiosyncrasies, but I've talked to couples where it's pretty clear to me that one spouse is the dominant issue, the the immaturity or the sin patterns in that spouse's life. That, that's a hard place for somebody who is humble, trying to work to, to be a godly husband or wife. It's hard to be there with, with somebody else who's not on the same page with you. Yeah. So yes, there are imbalances in how all of that works, but Jesus said, you know, we're really good at seeing the speck in our spouse's eye. Yeah. We're not so good at seeing the log in our own eye. And so he tells us the place to start when you're in conflict the the place to begin is by looking for what's in your own eye hmm. and you you may find that there're still logs in your spouse's eye cuz like i said that can be the issue but we have to start with self examination and there there's a verse in galatians 6 that says if you see somebody who's caught in a sin so let's say you're married your spouse your spouse has got an ongoing sin pattern maybe it's anger maybe your spouse is is looking at Pornography. I mean, there are all kinds of things that we can Mm -hmm. we can talk about that are endemic in a marriage situation like this. And you know it, and you see it. It says if you see that in your spouse, it says you who are spiritual should work to restore that person. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to start by recognizing we can't do anything to help our spouse with whatever the sin issues in their lives are until we are spiritual that doesn't mean perfect but we're in the right frame of mind we've prayed about it we've sought godly counsel we've spent time in the word we've examined our own hearts we've confessed our own sins we have to be doing that work regularly if we're going to be of any assistance to our spouse who may be trapped in some kind of a sin pattern
0: i'm sure with your background as you know mine similarly I've seen some pretty amazing stories of redemption and restoration in marriages that never should have worked out. You've seen a lot of those. Oh yeah. And, and
1: this is where I always have hope because I've talked to couples who say I've given up on hope. Mm -hmm. I remember one couple, they, they had met, at a party in college, neither of them were believers at the time. Or they—they or they were churchgoers, but they look back and they say we weren't really following Jesus. They—they they moved in together. They got married. Um, pretty soon, his anger started to emerge, and he—he he said the worst thing I ever did was I pushed my wife down on the bed. He said now that's that—that's bad, and that gave her reason to be fearful around me. But she decided when he left on a business trip one time, she said I'm done with this marriage. And while he was gone, she went out and committed adultery. So when when he comes back, she says, I want out of the marriage. Both of them are thinking, there's no way back. He said, we went to a counselor because we wanted to be able to tell our friends we did everything we knew how to do. He said, but the counselor, he, the things he were, was saying, he was pointing out things in my life that I'd never seen and he said, I started to recognize that I wasn't walking with the Lord, I humbled myself. And and the wife said, and I didn't like that he was doing that because now I looked like the bad guy because he was changing and and I wasn't. And she said, she sat down with the counselor and she explained everything that was wrong in her marriage and why it wasn't gonna work and why the counselor should just agree with them that the best thing to do would be to end the marriage. And the counselor said, let me ask you a question. He said, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Mm. She said, yeah, I believe that. He goes, so you believe that God can take a dead man and bring him back to life, but you don't believe God can take a dead marriage and resurrect it. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. And she said, at that moment, I was, I recognized my unbelief and it was the beginning of the change. She said, I, I opened the door that much, and that was all it needed for God to come in and begin to restore. They're doing marriage ministry to other couples today, wow. now more than 20 years later. Wow. So yes, I've heard of a lot of hopeless situations, but I tell couples, if God's in it, there's never a reason for there not to be hope. If both people are open to whatever God's going to do in, the, in your marriage, then, then there's always hope. And if even one person is open to it, there's still a window of hope there because God's a big God.
0: Yeah, I, I've i seen similar type things, and, and there always is hope with God when he's a priority. I struggle a little bit maybe with some people who don't know God. Uh, to I don't know how they do it, honestly. I don't know how you make it in a marriage without God working on you and, and right. your spouse, and in, in between. Um, so to me, the first step to having a good marriage is knowing God.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think the humility that's involved in in submitting ourselves before the Lord is a foundational quality of a healthy marriage relationship. And and I know couples who aren't believers, and they have a happy marriage. There There's an element that's always going to be missing in that marriage, and that's the spiritual oneness that you can't have if you if you're both dead spiritually. Yeah. You you can't have spiritual oneness. So you can have you can have things in common and you can have good times that you share and you can have a happy marriage but you're missing what God designed marriage to be which is a unity of body, soul, spirit coming together because there's just not a spiritual oneness. But yeah, couples who who both would come and say I I can humbly submit myself to the Lord and his will that's the foundation. I, I tell couples all the time when you're, when you're faced in, in conflict, you're, you're in the middle of conflict in your marriage and you say, well, here's what I want hmm. and here's what she wants. And we're not on the same page. I say the, the issue is not, are you gonna do what makes you happy or are you gonna do what makes her happy? The issue is, are you both gonna do what will make God happy? Hmm. And so rather than thinking I want my way or I want your way, we should be thinking we both want God's way. Mm-hmm. So let's try to figure out what that is. Let's get godly counsel to help us figure out what that is. And then let's submit ourselves together to God's way for our marriage.
0: Yeah, and that's that's so true, so key. Now you mentioned a word, uh, I'm gonna go a little off script, this is not in the notes, <laughs> I wanna ask you though. This word submission, uh, and it does take humility. It's yeah. one level to God, cause you go that's God and he's a perfect God, you know, uh, that's almost a little easier. But you know, you're, I don't want to judge too much by the grays. But I'm thinking <laughs> your own, we we have a little bit of an imbalance uh, in our culture and I think in the church at times with yes. the wives submit to your husbands, and we stop there. Yeah. We forget the husbands. You know, love you, love, love your, your wives, wives yeah, like sacrificially, lay down your life. Right. How, how much must we submit to each? other well i
1: i I think and and this is something that i have i've just seen the abuses of of how the bible orders all of this you know in ephesians 5 where we've got this passage about submitting husbands to wives you go you go back a few verses and it starts with be filled with the holy spirit Mm. that's that's the controlling part of everything that's coming later be filled with the holy spirit and when you're filled with the holy spirit you are going to live out your life as God intends and and there's gonna be appropriate submission in situations. So kids who are filled with the spirit are gonna to submit to their parents and employers who are filled with the spirit are, are going to graciously uh, care for their employees. This whole kind of, what the Bible's saying is there are there are places for authority and submission throughout society. Here's how Christians live that out. I will tell you that one. I think the biggest problem that a lot of a lot of wives have when they stumble over this passage that says wives submit to your husbands is that it sounds like it's saying that the husband is the king. He he gets to make all the selfish decisions he wants. Mm-hmm. I remember a friend of mine. Uh, he had been married for six months, and I was we were out on a sales call together, and I said, uh, "How are things with you and Kathy?" And he said, oh, "We're doing okay. She's just having a hard time submitting to me." <laughs> I smiled. I said, okay. I said, why do you think she should submit to you? He said, well, it's in the Bible. I said, well, get out the Bible, read it. I had one in my glove compartment. He reached in and got it out, turned to Ephesians 5. He says, so right here, Ephesians 5, wives submit. I said, stop right there. What's the first word? He said, wives. I said, are you a wife? He said, no. I said, well, you can skip that verse. It's not for you. You, you don't, you go on to the next verse, which is for husbands. Skip over the stuff that's for your wife. Let her read that and deal with that before the Lord. You read the stuff for husbands about dying, laying down your life for your wife day in and day out Mm -hmm. as a way to show sacrificial love and service for her. And, and Randy, I'll tell you, I, I've yet to meet a wife who isn't, whose, whose heart doesn't open up to wanting to, to, to follow her husband. If he's leading the relationship in a godly loving caring compassionate way she just naturally falls into this is who i want to be with and i it doesn't mean that she doesn't contribute or doesn't have a voice or can't no any any husband who's worth his salt is listening to his wife including her seeking her counsel but it means in our marriage what it's meant is that there have been a handful of times in 40 plus years of marriage when we have not been able to arrive at the same place in a big decision. Hmm. And in that moment, somebody's gotta make the call. And Marianne has said, I want you to make the call. I don't agree with, with where you think we should be going. I think we should do it this way, but we're obviously not on the same page. I will trust God to work through you. And here's what Marianne has always said when we've not been on the same page. She said, well, so have you prayed about this?
0: <laughs> and that always.
1: because that's the moment where it's like, am I seeking what God wants? Or am I just saying, this is what I think. And here's my, so that's always a good diagnostic question to see. Am I leading selfishly or am I leading selflessly in our marriage?
0: Yeah. Oh boy. So good. So true. All right. We're talking to Bob LaPine. This is a book, Build a Stronger Marriage available right now, wherever you get books. uh, If you want just a little bit of uh, strengthening and, and, you know, you don't have to be having a, a bad marriage to, enjoy a book like this and to see some things where you can just, you know, make things even better. Uh, it can always get better. And it's it's something we always have to work on. Uh, I want to ask you, Bob, um, you know, outside of the marriages that may be struggling, when you look at what we would generally consider a healthy marriage, yeah. what do you see, uh, you know, some of the common struggles maybe are, or maybe the places where we we could use a little improvement?
1: Yeah, and, and I would say most couples that I talk to are couples who would say, we've got a good marriage. It's it's maybe not everything I'd like for it to be. And yeah, there are some things where where we irritate one another, but it's it's a mostly good marriage. They'd like it to be more, and I think it can be more. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote this book for couples who whose marriages aren't in trouble, but who they they recognize there's a little rattle in in this part of the marriage, and we need to tighten that up a little bit so there this is a bunch of short chapters that couples can go through some some homework questions at the end the idea is you can do it on your own or get another couple a group of couples and go through it together and and uh try to strengthen a marriage that's already good but you ask about what are the common issues i think communication is is one of those areas where we often stumble i i will say to my wife she will say well we didn't really talk about this, and I will say, no, we we had a conversation last Sunday. Don't you remember Sunday afternoon? And she goes, yeah, but we didn't really talk about it. <laughs> right. So, so I have learned that when I think we've talked about something, she thinks we've just introduced the subject. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You got to learn to so, speak, wife, Bob. Come exactly on. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and so it's it's things like this making the adjustments to to serve one another, and then Randy, I would say there are. Uh, there are a couple of verses that I think if if couples would apply these verses in marriage, it would cure a lot of issues. The first one is Proverbs 19, 11, which says it's a man's glory to overlook an offense.
0: Mm. Oh, boy.
1: So there are a lot of things we're going to do in marriage that are going to offend one another. I'm not talking about big things, just the little irritants. Like, oh. why didn't you do this? I thought you were going to do that. It's a man's glory to overlook an offense. The New Testament counterpart of that, First Peter 5 says, love covers what a multitude mm-hmm. of sins. Marriages that work, couples have agreed, we're gonna pour grace on all of the little annoying things, the little differences, the little things that we could get sideways on. I don't know how many couples we have talked to where the marriage got derailed by something really tiny. Just caught you on the wrong day and you went sideways on something. Love covers a multitude of sins, overlook an offense. I think those are two key verses. And the last one, and this is one that, when, when Marianne and I were dating back in the, the late 70s, she said, what do you think about us memorizing some scripture together? And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, why would anybody do that? <laughs> I mean, go look it up. If you need to know the verse, you go look, it's right there. You don't have to memorize it. Who does that? That's what I was thinking. But because we were dating, I said, yeah, that's a great idea. Should... Right. <laughs> so I said, did you have a, a verse in mind? And she said, I was thinking we could memorize like a whole chapter.
0: Oh, boy. And I
1: I thought to myself, who does that? <laughs> and I said, oh, that would be great, right? Because we're dating. And and then I said, did you have a chapter in mind? She said, I was thinking Philippians chapter two. And I remember kind of nodding my head going, oh yeah. And I'm thinking, is that Old Testament or New Testament? I mean, I was, I was, you know, she was clearly more spiritually in tune than I was. But we started together memorizing Philippians chapter two. We didn't get all the way to the end. But I remember how quickly and easily I memorized Philippians two, three, which says, do and think of this in marriage, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. Hmm. If couples would apply that one verse, do nothing from selfishness, by the way, the Greek word for nothing is nothing. I mean, nothing, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility, Regard the other person as more important than yourself. You apply that in your marriage. Ninety percent of the issues couples are facing in their marriage will dissolve if you say, if, "If your conflict is this, you're more important than me." No, you're more important than me. No, we're going to do what you want. No, if that's what you're fighting about, you're in a good spot, right?
0: Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's funny when you when you mention the annoyances. Uh, I mean, I could have started writing. I <laughs> I, and I do. I have to. I have to catch myself from making some you know, smart comment about that little thing that means nothing, you know, but you notice after living with someone for a long time and I'm sure her list is longer than mine. Mm. I've never thought of it as a glory to overlook an annoyance or even an offense. When yeah. you position it that way, I think it makes it a lot, I don't know if it's easier or necessary, but it's a lot more desirable. Yeah, you know, to go. And, and that really is, you know, I'll be hitting 32 years and, uh, you know, they've been 20 of the best years of my life, um, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's not always easy, but there are some things you have your four habits of a healthy marriage. Uh, is that, did you just hit a couple of them?
1: Well, I, I'll, I'll run through what I think are the four, because I think these, that the couples who are thriving in marriage, mm-hmm. that the first thing they're doing is they are loving one another extravagantly yeah. not not thriftily okay so you think about money on on a continuum and we would say somebody who is over here in in the money spectrum and they're cheap you know they're a miser and then somebody here who's thrifty somebody's moderate somebody who's generous and somebody over here who's extravagant and we would say yeah you need to you need to steward your money you can't be extravagant with your money okay it's good to steward your money but with love with grace we should be extravagant with one another first john 3 verse 2 how great is the love the father has lavished on us so if god lavishes his love on us and then he says love one another as i have loved you we should be extravagant lavishing one another with love. And it's good to know the love languages, know how to do that. Well, Gary Chapman's books, very helpful in that regard, but we should be thinking, how can I be extravagant in my love with my wife today? That's the first thing. Can, can I say something there? Yeah, because yeah,
0: absolutely. If I had won a hundred million dollar lottery and I just had more money than I knew what to do with, I would probably be pretty extravagant. Most of those people tend to be, right. but I have to be pretty thrifty because I haven't made tons of money in my life, and there have been times where I didn't, you know, there were more bills at the end of the month than there was anything in the bank. We have to get sort of that lottery of love, which we've won in Christ, in order exactly. to be lavish.
1: Yeah. Yeah, people who would say, I can't be extravagant with love because I only have so much in me mm-hmm. to give. Right. And I would say, God has an infinite supply. Right. He's lavished it on you. So if you feel like you're all out of love, like the old pop song, I'm all out of love. If you feel like you're all out of love, you go to God and say, God, fill me up with your love. Let it overflow out of me to my spouse. That's, good. that's extravagant love. Second thing is generous forgiveness. And that's what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Overlooking an offense and and pouring grace. And and you, you keyed in on the word glory. I think that's right. When we do that, God cheers us. Mm. And says you're getting it, you're doing what what I'm I'm wanting you to do and be. You are becoming more like my son. So there's glory in that because it points to the glory of Christ and what he's done. So yes, learning how to forgive and and we could we could spend a long time on forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we just say, well, I'll forget all about it. There's some things you're never going to forget. You have to purposefully, intentionally give up the right to punish another person. For how they've wronged you, mm-hmm. and you do that because God has given up the right to punish you, because of of what Christ has done. So we forgive because we've been forgiven. Forgiven people forgive others. Third thing is that we need to be um, enthusiastic, and it needs to be it needs to be expressed enthusiasm. So we should be the greatest cheerleaders for our spouse. Couples whose marriages thrive are extravagant with their enthusiasm for one another. They're cheering one another on. Hmm. I, I didn't do a lot with sports when I was in in high school and college, but I did run cross country and I, I would start off strong and then I'd get about halfway around the course and I'd be dogging it a little bit, <laughs> but we would run back by where the cheerleaders were. <laughs> and I noticed that when they were cheering, I picked up my pace. Yeah. I ran a little faster, yeah. right? And so we can cheer one another on and, and put wind in the sails of the other person. And then the last of the kind of the four habits that make for a strong marriage is that we're we're on the same page about the things that matter most in life. And we're seeking alignment about the things that matter most in life. Couples are coming together. They're letting the little things not worry them. Right but on the important things like our walk with God, how we're raising our kids, what really matters to us, where we're gonna invest our money, those kinds of things, we're in alignment. And I I would say the way you get in alignment is by not saying what do I want, what do you want, but what does God want and bringing your marriage into alignment under what God wants for your marriage.
0: And so good, such such wisdom. I mean, you know, I, I go to the dentist and get my teeth checked and fix any little fracture. I take my car to the mechanic and say you know get it in tip-top shape we need to do this with our marriage uh and that's exactly. encouraging and it's it's fulfilling and so anybody watching if you heard a couple things in there where you're like okay i, I think that could make things run smoother we'll we'll take action do it don't don't say ah maybe later yeah, do it do it right now, uh, and you can yeah. you can pick up the the book and uh, start building a stronger marriage today. Bob, I want to ask you about uh, this URL right here: Redeemer, LR for Little Rock. RedeemerLR.org. Uh, I'll show people the website so they know they're in the right place when you get there. You've got a blog here, and then this is your what your home church now, yeah.
1: That's that's the church I pastor, and so access to the, the weekly sermons are available there, and I do blog on there every week with just kind of random thoughts about living the Christian life. This week I talked about what Jesus says about loving our enemies, not just tolerating our enemies, but loving our enemies Uh-oh. and how, <laughs> how hard that is for all of us to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm writing there and, and then preaching every week. So, yeah, folks want to connect with uh, with me and what I'm doing, that's probably the best place to connect right now.
0: Wonderful. Great, man. I appreciate your insight and your encouragement, wisdom. Uh, and I think it's encouraging when you know that with God on your side, he wants what's best for you personally and in your marriage. So what's to stop you from, you know, taking uh, his advice and taking the wisdom from his word, applying it to your life, and seeing it work because yeah. it will. Thank you. Anything you want to have before I let you go? I appreciate your time, man no this has been great randy i appreciate you having me on appreciate all you guys out there watching if you want to encourage someone in their marriage hit that share button if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed life today live i encourage you to do that now and we'll keep encouraging you and bringing you guys like bob LePayne who can help you in area of your life that will make it better that's what we'll hear about hope you have a great weekend we will see you all next week. We got Nobody more great interviews here on thank you Life Today Live.
1: Doing the will of God.
0: And I missed a button. There's the book. See you next time.